Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And it says this. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God that, so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So two weeks ago, we started this conversation by talking about that, that spiritual battles exist and are real. For this reason, verse 13, Paul would write, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Every shot day? day. Come on, every shot day? day? Day, right? That you can resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, every shot situation. Situation. It's a hard word to shout, I know. Take up the shield of faith, which with the, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Today, as we continue on in our series, Citizens and Saints, I want to speak to you from the subject, It's Not What You Think, Part 2, as we look at timing and seasons concerning the battles that we face in life. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your word this morning. God, like we sang in this, this last worship song, we pray that you would do a new thing in us, that you would make us a new vessel. God, that we'd find new freedom, that we'd find new power in you, God. So would you teach us right now through your word? God, will we lean into it this morning? Will we know and hear your voice this morning? And God, through it, may we experience your grace and your presence. We love you, and we worship you in this place. I thank you for all these amazing people. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Show of hands, and this is not a trick question. How many of you love seasons? Like, you love seasons. All right, mo most of us in here, it's kind of why we live in Utah. Uh, we lived in Phoenix for six years. Um, they have four seasons, hot, hotter, hottest, and hell. Those are the four seasons of Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, some, of you, some of you know what, I, what I'm talking about, and it, it, it's hard, like it's, a, it's an adjustment that you need to make, but thank God for Utah, come on somebody, how many of you know that we've got four glorious seasons here in Utah, and this is why we live here, like this, this is, and, and how many of you are like me, you know, like right now it's starting to get pretty warm, isn't it, like the, the hot's starting to come on, at least for those of us who are here, we realize that this is hot, and just as you're about to be over hot here in Salt Lake, how many of you know it changes? Right, the season changes. We go from hot to fall. To fall in Salt Lake. And there is, not, there is not another season like fall in Salt Lake City, Utah. It contends with everything. And I love the fall season. And then we move through fall and we get into winter and all the skiers come alive and their zombie faces go away as they get to be on the mountain. And, and they're full of joy. And then spring comes and they go into depression and the rest of us get happy. And so those are the seasons of life around here in, in Utah. And we know seasons well. We love seasons. If you go back to the, to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. The Bible talks about how God instituted seasons. He made things work this way. So we are all about seasons and we love seasons when it comes to nature and all of that. But what I've come to notice is that while we may love the natural seasons around us, we have a tendency to not like the seasons that we find ourselves in. We have a tendency to contend with them. We have a tendency to get frustrated with them because for some reason, we don't treat the seasons of our personal life the way that we treat the seasons of the natural around us. And what I want to help us see this morning and what, uh, what Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20 encourages us with is that the battles that we face in life 
are seasonal. They're seasonal battles. Meaning this, that we're not always going to face battles in life. Come on, somebody, that's good news, right? There's going to be seasons of, of peace. There's going to be seasons of, of rest. But how many of you know that many times in life we then step into a new season, and sometimes that season includes some fight. Sometimes that season includes some battle. Sometimes that season includes things that we don't really want to live out and participate in, but understanding that it's in those seasons that God does new things. God does significant things. For the longest time in our household, we had a pretty chill household. Our kiddos were younger. Now we have an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old and a nine-month-old, right? There's no peace in my household anymore. It is a season of battle. It is a season of battle between the eight-year-old and the seven-year-old. It's a season of battle between the parents and the kiddos. And then the nine-month-old, she just now discovered that if she yells like her dad does, she's hurt as well. So we have, why? Mine? Ah, I don't like you. And then the nine-month in the colder is, ah, just yelling. It's chaos in my home. And we know that it's a season, though. And we're actually learning. We're trying to, to, to enjoy the season because, well, we dread the season when they become teenagers and start doing their things. So we learn to enjoy the season. We learn. <laughs> Spoken like the mom of teenagers. I love it. Is there heckling happening right now? So, so we learn to enjoy this season because we see this other season coming. And here's the problem that so many of us face is that we don't learn to enjoy the current season we're in because we think the next one will be better somehow. We actually find ourselves despising current seasons for the hope that the next one will be better. But what if, what if we learn to do seasons differently? See, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 would tell us that there's a time and a season for everything. Right? This is what it says in verses 1 through 11. Chapter 3, it says, There's an occasion for everything. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. He goes on in verse 9, listen to what he says. He says, what does the worker gain from his struggles? I've seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. Verse 11, he has made everything appropriate in its time. He's made everything appropriate in its time. And see, some of us have a hard time with the seasons that we find ourselves in life, especially the seasons of battles, because we say to ourselves, how could this be God's appropriate time if it includes something that's not easy? (laughs) And since when did God's hand in our life, since when did it become predicated upon ease? You ever heard that before? You ever walked through that? If it's easy and it all works, it must be God. (laughs) Wrong. Read the Bible. Because every single person that we read in the Bible, that was not their course of life. And so we struggle with our seasons. We get frustrated in our seasons. But what if we were equipped differently to do our seasons well? When I'm in a battle season, I will fight well. When I'm in an easy season, then I will rest well. I will fight well, and I will rest well. I will fight well, and then I will rest well. And like Paul, when I get to the end of it all, I'll be able to say, I ran the race. I fought the fight. I finished it out. And now heaven is my home. That is the battle that we face in life, and that is what I want to help us with this morning. So we're going to walk through 
Three things. Three things that we need to understand. Three truths that we need to understand about seasons of battle in our lives. But I need you to help me out, so come on, every shout number one. The first thing is this, is that God equips us for the seasons of battle that we face. God equips us for the seasons of battle that we face. See, for many of us, we believe the opposite, and that's why we dread facing and going through battles. Because somewhere along the way, we've bought into this lie that we're not equipped to face the battles that we fight. So this is the prayer that we pray, God, take me out of the battle. Right? God, take me out of the fight. I don't want to do this. Take me out of this hard season because I don't want this season. But here's the problem. We're praying a prayer that he's not apt to answer because he said, listen, I never said that I would take you out of the battles. I just said that I would give you everything necessary to live in the battle and fight the battle and walk through the battle and come out on the other side of the battle and stand victorious. I'll prove it, Acts 1, 7 through 8. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. So for some of us time freaks in here, it's not for you to know. I know that's hard for the A types because we want to know everything and how it goes, right? My son does this all the time. What's next? Who's coming over today? What's the calendar say? What time does this happen? What time does that happen? I'm like, quiet, stop, because we don't know everything. All right, and that's what he's saying. God's saying, listen, you're not, you're not going to know everything that I'm setting up by my authority, but, how many of you are glad that Jesus gives us a but right here? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power that Jesus is talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. John 14, 16 through 18, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. John 14, 25 through 26, I have spoken these things to you, that while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. And everything that Jesus told us in the Gospels is the recipe for the right tools to face the battle that we need. We have his spirit, the power that lives in us by way of this amazing gift, and we can anchor ourselves in that power and know that we have everything necessary that we need. We are enabled and we are given strength to face our seasons of battles. That is his gift. Now I want you to see something. Galatians tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Many of us have heard this before. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? Against these things there is no law. That's what the Bible says. And the interesting thing is, is that he didn't say, I will put you in situations of peace, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness. He said, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. What's he saying? You have everything you need for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Right in the midst of your situation. We don't look for peaceful situations. We find peace in hard situations. I don't look for joyful situations. I learn to find joy in the Spirit of God in situations that are not joyful. I find everything that I need by way of the Spirit of God. But some of us are scared of the Holy Spirit because it's creepy and spooky and weird. Right? Many of us have been in churches before where it feels like we talk about the Holy Spirit with the lights down and a flashlight on our face. <laughs> right, guys, this is the Holy Spirit. 
And so we run, and I get that. I get that. I've been in places like that. I've grown up in places where I'm like, man, that Holy Spirit thing's weird. And I'm going to be very honest with you. We've made it weird sometimes. Hands down. We've made it weird sometimes. The Spirit of God didn't make it weird. We made it weird. How just like humans to make it weird and complicated. <laughs> right? But he's not. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Notice that the Bible calls him a counselor. A helper, power, authority, strength. If you want to know how to receive the Spirit of God, it's simple. It says, when you receive. Well, how do you receive a gift? With open arms. Just receive it. Some of you were experiencing the presence of God this morning, the Spirit of God this morning in worship. Right? We say things like, oh, it feels different (laughs) in this place. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit. Right? Because many of us operate and live in places, as we step out of these doors, right, that you know an opposite feeling. You know a battle feeling. You know fear. You know insecurity. You know hurt. You know pain. You know all of these different things. And it's interesting that when we engage, man, have you ever, have you ever had a worship service in your car? And just so we know, like, just to be very clear, it's not like the Holy Spirit just lives at the, like, the well in this building. <clears throat> Wrong. Bad theology. Uh-uh. He lives in us. Right? So you take the Holy Spirit out of this place. You take the Holy Spirit to your workplace. You take the Holy Spirit to your neighborhood. You take the Holy Spirit into your marriage. You take the Holy Spirit uh, on your university and at your high school and at your junior high school. You take the Holy Spirit where you go. And the Spirit of God says that where I'm at, you will find joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of me living in you. So what we need to know is that God equips us for the seasons of battle that we face. And some of us want all these other tools that don't help when we're battling the things that we're battling. If we face spiritual battles, then we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's a good place to say amen right there. <laughs> some of you are like, ah. Uh. When we face spiritual battles, we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Right? We need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that we need to understand is that God, like every single one of us who are facing a battle today, Know this, walk out of this today. I'm equipped for this battle. I'm equipped for this battle. I hope one day, as long as like the, the, the fight is okay, I hope one day that my son can say, my dad is bigger than your dad. <laughs> Depending on the size of you, okay? Just let's be honest about that. I hope one day that Justice and my, and my daughters have this perspective that their dad, right, is strong enough and big enough. That's the perspective that God wants us to have of him. My dad is bigger than my situation. My dad is stronger than what I'm facing. My dad is bigger than my struggle. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So listen, church. God equips us for the seasons of battle that we face. If you're facing battle today, I want you to know that you have everything that you need in God. You have everything that you need in God. Listen to what it says in Zechariah 4, 6 through 7. It says, so he answered me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. How many of you have ever figured out where you end? You ever been there before? You ever been in a situation and you're like, oh man, I got this, I'm doing my thing and, and I'm making it all happen and, and I'm doing really good. Have you ever got to that moment? I've been to this moment many, many times where you stop and you go, oh snap. I'm out. 
There, I got, I got, and then we say this, I got nothing left. You ever been there before? I've got nothing left. And then Jesus is like, finally! You get it now! When you have nothing left, then I get to be your everything. And my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. You then find my strength. And so many of us are looking for our strength void of his strength, but we've been called to rely on his strength, not by my might, not by my power, but by his spirit, his strength, his grace, that I walk this out. Why? Because I ain't got nothing to bring to the table. I got nothing to bring to the table. So the cool thing is, is you can step into a rigged fight. We get like holy cheating. (laughs) Think about that. If my God is for me, nothing can be against me. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And this fight's rigged. Not by my, but by his, oh wow, I don't have to do anything. Yes, finally you've got it. He does everything. Stop striving, stop driving, stop pushing, stop being so frustrated and know that you are equipped for the battle, the seasons of battle that you find yourself in. Why? Because God is that good. God is that good. Number two, every shout number two. The second thing we need to understand is that we can always learn something from our seasons of battle. We can always learn something from our seasons of battle battle. Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10. I hate this portion of scripture. <laughs> some of, I'm just being honest. I know some of you read the Bible too and you're like, oh, I don't like that at all. I'm right there with you. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not get tired of doing good. How many of you gotten tired of doing good though? <laughs> Let's be I'm so tired of doing good. I'm so tired of doing this. Well, don't get tired doing it for we will reap at the proper time if we don't get, this is what's frustrating about the scripture, because you go, well, what's the proper time? You'll never know the proper time. Why? Well, because we just read Nax that he's not going to tell us the proper time. <laughs> so don't get weary. <laughs> so, so if that's the case, if that's the equation here, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So Paul is encouraging us to learn something from the time put in. He's encouraging us to learn from our battles. Walk it out. Don't get tired of doing this because there's things to learn. Well, what do we learn? Well, we learn faithfulness. We learn perseverance. We learn character. We learn integrity. Oh, I know, so sexy this morning. Right? Because those aren't pop terms that we, that we hear right now that are so great to, to learn. See, we learn to build right perspectives and habits. We learn to hope. We learn to rest in Jesus. The problem that we face in this generation is that we desire not to learn, but to have. Come on, did you hear that today? In this generation, we desire to have, not not learn. Learning is a, a hard thing for us. So anything that tests or tempers our ability to have is seen as inappropriate or negative in our lives. I was at a conference this last week with our team, and and one of the speakers, Christine Kane is her name, who was um, just, she did an amazing job and just so many profound thoughts for us. She said this, you won't press on if you don't stay in the press. Because the press causes the muscle to be built that is needed for the next thing that God has for you. But the interesting thing is, is we want to subvert the press, don't we? 
We don't want the press. We just want the have. I don't want to learn through this season. I just want the season to end so I can have what's on the other side of the season. The problem is because God is a dad, because God is a father, he says, no, no, no. There's some things that I need you to learn through the spiritual battle season that you're in so that you have the strength necessary to hold up what you have in the next season. So some of us are just not strong enough to step into the next season. So stop trying to avoid the battle, walk through the battle, get some steel in your bones and your soul and then step into the next thing and hold it up with grace and passion and expectancy because you walk through a season. Right? I call this the gerbil principle. My daughter wants a gerbil. I have two issues that I take with it. One, I hate gerbils. (laughs) Two, she's not responsible enough to have a gerbil. Now, some of us could contend and argue, well, that's not a good dad. A dad would give her the gerbil so she can learn. And I'm like, that is a life that would be lost in the learning process. (laughs) And I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. (laughs) So we have this conversation with with our kiddos in the kitchen a couple months. She's like, I want a gerbil. And we're like, baby, you're not ready for a gerbil. And of course, my son doesn't listen to the conversation. He's like, well, I want a dog. And I'm like... That's definitely not going to happen in this household, <laughs> right? Why? You can't take care of your room. So she tries to sidestep it. She's like, well, can I get a bird? I'm like, a bird's no different. They will both be dead, okay? <laughs> so let's, let's do that. Like, no animals. No animals. How about you show us that you can clean your room? <laughs> Meltdown. No! To which my wife promptly responds with grace and ease. She says, and that is why you won't be getting a gerbil. (laughs) How much do we operate like that with God? (laughs) God, I want this. Well, how about you walk through this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, we're not going there yet. We can always learn something from the seasons of battle that we find ourselves in. Why? Why? Watch what Romans 8, 28 through 30 says. This is Paul writing again. He says, we can trust this process. Why? Because we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. His purpose. See, the problem is, is that many of us want a tweetable, Facebookable, Pinterestable, beautiful, Instagrammable story of life. Right? So we want this, and we want to just be like, look at life. Life is so good. So awesome. I love life. And then we walk away from Jesus because sometimes life looks like this. I'm trying to just get to the other side. But he says, learn some things from the battles that you face. And when you step into the next thing, you're going to have everything that you need. You're going to have the muscles necessary to carry the purpose. Because mind you, every single one of us in here needs to know this, understand this, that the purpose of God over your life is immaculate. It's amazing. It's grand. It is awesome. But you need everything that you need in order to hold it up. As you step into the next season, don't ask for the next season. Learn in this season. Walk that battle out. Fight it. Contend. Push. And know that he's teaching you and trying to learn something. From, I've learned so many amazing things about my life 
about myself, about my wife, and about our marriage just because we've been walking out every battle. We walk the battles out together. Man, I think if I would have just prayed to God for the past 14 years almost, God, I don't want to feel any of the stuff in the marriage. I just want all the good things. How many of you know that's a weak marriage? It's a weak marriage. I love my wife the way that I love my wife, and she loves me the way that she loves me because we've walked through battles, not because it's been perfect. I love her more because of the dysfunction, not because of the perfection <laughs> of our life. Not her. She's not dysfunctional. <laughs> it's just the, the, the space of our world. <laughs> we can always learn something from you. It's a question. If you're writing notes, write this down. This is a good question for all of us to just have. What can I learn in this season? It's a simple question. But what can I learn in this season? God, what are you trying to teach me? Don't avoid teachable moments. Don't avoid what God's trying to teach us. Don't avoid what he's trying to teach you. What can I learn in this season, God? And then, come on, number three. We shot number three? The last one is this. The last thing that we need to understand about seasons of battles is that seasons of battles don't undermine our purpose. They show us there is one. Seasons of battle don't undermine our purpose. They show us there is one. Now, we highlighted this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the different type of battles that we face. Now, how many of you know that there's battles that we face simply because I made bad decisions and now I'm dealing with the repercussions, right? That's not a battle. That's consequence. (laughs) Just so we're clear on those things. Oh, I'm going through this battle. It's like, no, you sped. (laughs) They gave you a ticket for it. That's not a battle. That's the law. <laughs> but then there's battles, spiritual battles. And they come on us. Why? Because the enemy could care less about how you want life to go. Right? We're playing, like, we're playing nice with the enemy sometimes. And I'll tell you, and I don't want to step on any toes. I actually want to step on a lot of toes this morning. So um, <laughs> in our generation, we want everything so clean, nice, and neat, and PC, and everything like that. And then the thing is, is that we try to bounce through our faith life with that. Like, everything's nice, I have my space, and, and it's good, and you can't, don't, like, stay here, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I have a peanut allergy, and I have all of these things that I need to, to deal with. But can I just tell you something? The enemy doesn't do PC. This is the only thing that the enemy knows, to steal to kill and destroy. And the only thing that Jesus knows is that I've come to give life and life to the fullest. So we need to understand, we gotta stop playing nice with the enemy and do what Paul said. When the enemy stands at your door, we rebuke him. When the enemy stands at our face, we say you need to flee because you have no authority here because I'm walking through this thing with a father who's bigger than you. So many of us believe that our purpose has been undermined when we're facing a spiritual battle because somehow we're bad. I, wanna, I want you to hear something this morning. When you are facing a spiritual battle, maybe just maybe you are right. Not bad. It means you have a target on your back. I'm fully aware right now. As our church does what our church is doing right now, God's doing some amazing things. And it's like all of a sudden I feel this target on my back. If I can just be honest with you, I know our team feels it as well. Maybe you feel it, and it's like every corner, I'm like, is he behind the corner? <laughs> right? Why? Because the enemy doesn't want to see what God is doing in this generation. 
The enemy doesn't want to see your faith rise. Come on, somebody. The enemy doesn't want to see you get free from addiction. The enemy doesn't want to see your marriage repaired. The enemy doesn't want to see forgiveness ushered. The enemy doesn't want to see grace applied. The enemy doesn't want to see those things start to take place. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, who provides us the ability to do such things, where His Spirit is, there is freedom. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And the enemy doesn't want freedom in our lives. He doesn't want freedom in this generation. He doesn't want freedom for our teenagers. He doesn't want freedom for our college students. He doesn't want freedom in this state. Seasons of battle don't undermine your purpose. They show you that there is one. They show you that you are right in the midst of it. You ever been in an exciting moment before? Like where you're standing in the midst of everything and you're like, oh, I'm in something cool. And you have no idea how you got there, right? I love those moments. Where all of a sudden I find myself someplace that I didn't realize I was at. That's what God's saying. He's like, hey, I've kerplunked you right in the middle of something amazing. <laughs> I've kerplunked you right in the middle of my kingdom initiative in this generation. As long as you have breath in your lungs from the back to the front, from the oldest to the youngest, as long as you are still breathing right now, you have a purpose, a grand purpose, a beautiful purpose to keep on being everything God has for you. Seasons of battle don't undermine your purpose. They show us there is one. Stop thinking you're bad. We face spiritual battles and all of us turn into Eeyore. <laughs> right? Well, um, must not have anything good about me. <laughs> must not be a person fighting all the time. It's cloudy all the time. Right? No one, no one, li no, no one, no one connects with me at church. They don't, they don't know I'm, I'm here. He knows you're here. He, do, he doesn't care about me. See, every, they have their victory, and I, I don't have my victory. <laughs> See, they got their healing. I didn't get my healing. They got that job good for them. <laughs> I still have this really horrible job. <laughs> Sorry, like some of you are like, oh, is he always this fired up? <laughs> yes. Stop being Eeyore about things. Why? Because th the battle shows you that there is a purpose. Now, what if we changed the way that we, saw, that we were talking about things? What if we walked in here and everybody's like, how's it going? And you're like, horrible, but so awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man, everything is falling down around me. So awesome. I'm not talking about ignoring the fact that things aren't good. I'm just talking about the fact that understanding that there is someone who is good, who is above it all, who will make sure that it all works out and that you still have a purpose through it. So what if your season right now is to walk through your purpose? What if that is your purpose? It's to walk out the battle. It's to walk out the battle. Listen, as your pastor, as the pastor of this church, if I've challenged you this morning, you're like, ooh, that kind of hurt. Good. Good. 
Because if you walk into church just getting sprinkles all the time, we're not, we're not, we're not contending. We're not, we gotta, we gotta be challenged in some, some ways. You gotta give us the whole counsel of God's word. Sometimes, ah, oh, we love you. I love you, just so you know. I love this church. This is why I come every single week with this much passion and crazy sometimes, because I want us to get it. I want us to understand. I want us to walk out of these doors not believing that nothing is going to work out, but believing that in the midst of nothing working out, he is working all things out. So how do we know all that to be true? Well, watch what happens to Jesus. Do we all agree that Jesus was like the perfect representation of all these things? He was perfect, right? It's like this whole thing's about him. So watch what happens to Jesus, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus goes from this amazing moment, this amazing moment, as he's getting ready to be brought into ministry, and all of a sudden everything changes. And he's led into temptation. What happened on the front side of temptation? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because previously before that, we see Jesus be baptized. And it was in his baptism that the heavens opened. And God says something. He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to hear something. If you don't get anything else out of this, this message this morning. The affirmation of a father to a son took place at the beginning of a battle he was about to walk into. And if you don't get anything else out of this morning, understand this, that God is affirming you in this moment. He's saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I care about you. I want you to know that I'm for you because there may be a battle in front of you. But I don't want you to forget that I'm right there with you because I'm cheering you on. I'm encouraging you. I'm strengthening you. I'm giving you a gift, a power, the Holy Spirit, so you can walk that battle out. But I just need you to know before all hell breaks loose in your life that I am well pleased in you, that I love you. You are my son and you are my daughter. Now walk it out. Fight it out. Walk through it. Do this thing. Sometimes I know what Jeremiah was talking about when he says, there's this word in my bones and I, I gotta get it out and I just don't know how sometimes to just raise my voice a lot. Come on, let's stand to our feet in this moment.